Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode two of The Gridiron, where we discuss all things NFL and college football. Before we start, we just want to thank everybody for the positive feedback and following over the last week. We really appreciate it, and we look forward to giving you guys more content. How's it going, ladies and gentlemen? Today, I'm just going to dive into what we're going to talk about. First, we'll tackle some highlight games from college football this weekend, some Big Tens, ups and downs, and then the college football playoff, as well as some Pac-12 stuff. And then we will talk about two of arguably the most controversial matchups of the weekend in the NFL, and then we'll tackle the playoff pictures, as well as the game picks like we did last week, and some Rookie of the Year talks. All right, so let's go into... I don't know, Thursday night football, but not the Thursday night football everybody's thinking of. Let's go Tulsa-Tulane. That was a pretty insane and upset alert. Well, not actually. It wasn't an upset, but it was very crazy play at the end of the game. A couple overtimes. I don't know if many people were watching it because they were probably watching Seattle-Arizona, but what happened? So, first half, nobody scored any points. Tulsa's quarterback was struggling big, big time. Tulsa put in another quarterback in the second half. Tulane came out in the third quarter, scored 14 unanswered points, and then also scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter. And then Tulsa came back and scored three touchdowns. The last one, a Hail Mary with time expiring to send it to overtime. And then they went into the first overtime. Each team got the ball, both kicked field goals. And then they got into the second overtime. Tulane was driving and threw a pick. Tulsa returned it 96 yards for a touchdown, won the game 30-24, to saved their number 25 in the nation ranking. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Not only a pick six to seal the deal in overtime, but a Hail Mary got them there. And not only is that a huge win for them to keep them ranked, but we've been talking about Cincinnati, who got themselves a big win, and we'll talk about that in a second. But Cincinnati plays Tulsa in three weeks. It'll be their last regular season game. And Cincinnati needs all the help they can get. And keeping Tulsa as a ranked team, and if they can beat them as a ranked team, that'll just help their odds of getting into the playoff. Talking about Cincinnati, they played a real barn burner against UCF, which you kind of had to expect that it was going to be a close one at UCF. That's never going to be an easy win. UCF was winning for most of the game until Cincinnati came back in the second half and just showed, hey, we're, we're the real deal this year. What do you think about Cincinnati? I think they're a decent team. I've said I said last week that I think they're a good team. The strength of schedule is still the problem for me. I don't think that they can get to the college football playoff with their strength of schedule. Currently, ESPN is disagreeing with me because the All-State playoff predictor, I looked at it this morning, and if the season ended today, they give Cincinnati a 60% chance to have that four seed in the playoff. Um, above a Northwestern team, which would have a 51% chance, A&M, BYU, and USC, all with roughly 8% chances. But I just don't know with their strength of schedule and struggling against a unranked UCF team, I, I just don't know that they can make it. Yeah, obviously I've been saying I'm a big big Cincy guy this year. I would love to see a non-Power 5 team get into that playoff. And since he would just be a really cool team to see in the playoff, I would love to see him knock off some one seed at especially Alabama. They did get some help from the Big Ten this week. There are two undefeated matchups in the Big Ten. So now there are two teams that lost. One lost, they're probably out of the playoff conversation. The first one being that Indiana-Ohio State game, which we both predicted Ohio State to win by three-plus possessions ended up being a 42-35 win. That Ohio State defense looked a little shaky, and Justin Fields... 
himself through a couple picks. What do you think about that game? You know, hats off, Indiana. I completely doubted you, and you proved me wrong. You guys played your butts off, and I was shocked at how close that game was. Now, you did get some gifts from Justin Fields in that Ohio State defense. By the way, this game takes Justin Fields virtually out of the Heisman race for me. Okay, okay. Um, Throwing three picks, you can't do that as a Heisman guy, especially against, a, well, against a team that nobody really thought was good, but Indiana's saying, well, we might be pretty good. So, you know, I think it was shocking that Indiana made it that close, but I also think they got some help from the Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, Ohio State, at the end of the day, you just kind of had a feeling they were going to pull it out, and they did by seven. That offense, even with fields on an off day, they just have so many weapons. I mean, two receivers with 100-plus yards, two really good running backs, and they have Teague the third who had 169 yards rushing, and then they had Trey Sermon, who came over from Oklahoma as just like that two-headed monster at running back. So Ohio State's going to be a, real, a tough out, but they did show some vulnerabilities on defense, and they're probably looking at possibly meeting up with Northwestern now in the Big Ten Championship if Northwestern can take care of business as they beat Wisconsin in an absolute barn burner, 17-7, to which you kind of expected from those two teams. I feel like when it's at Northwestern, you're like, all right, it's going to be a low-scoring game because that Northwestern defense just always seems to do something. Yeah, I think this game could have had a very different outcome if teams would just follow my one piece of advice, and we'll talk about this later with the NFL. Mm-hmm. Take care of the football. If you don't take care of the football, you're not going to win football games. Graham Mertz threw three picks in that game. They fumbled the ball four different times. Now, they only lost two of them, but they fumbled the ball four times. you got to take care of that football. You can't win a ball game if you're going to have, I mean, that's five turnovers, but Northwestern had one too, so minus four on a turnover margin. I just, you can't win games like that. So hats off to Northwestern. You guys did win the game fair and square, but Wisconsin, if they had taken care of the football, I think it could have been a closer game. I mean, if only if it, it was that easy, right? Like, don't we all wish we could just not turn the ball over? Life would be a lot easier for us fans. But Northwestern 5-0. and They've got Michigan State, Minnesota, and Illinois to cap the year off. Those are games they should win, but I mean, you never know. It's college football, so we'll see what happens there. I could I could really see them going 8-0, and if they were to knock off Ohio State, a 9-0 Big Ten champ, they're probably in. They, they'd probably get the spot over Cincinnati. And I can't say that any of us would really would have expected a Northwestern team to have a shot at this playoff, but it's pretty cool. I mean, it's awesome. So let's get into the college football playoff rankings. I will say we're recording on this Tuesday morning before the college football rankings come out, but let's give some predictions, like what we're thinking they're going to do today and then maybe what we hope will happen. So number one, I got Alabama. They're there every year. That's how it's going to be until, well, I don't know when it's going to end. <laughs> but I got Alabama 1, Notre Dame 2. I still have Ohio State number 3, and this is my reasoning. It's still the Big Ten. They're still undefeated, and there isn't really another undefeated team left that has a strength of schedule other than Cincinnati, and we've discussed how they don't have a huge strength of schedule. So Ohio State 3. And then from there, the 4 spot is a toss-up. I think it could be between Florida, Cincinnati, Northwestern, and A&M. I think those three teams are all in the chase to get that four spot, and it'll really depend. I think whoever's going to get that four spot is going to win out. I'm I'm there with you, and I will say I think right now I'd have Clemson at the four spot. Well, I I wouldn't say I would necessarily. I would love to say Cincinnati's at fourth seed at that undefeated spot, but knowing what the committee has done over the years, 
it's really hard to imagine Clemson not being in that top four when the rankings come out tonight. And I would say you're completely spot on with Alabama at one, Notre Dame at two, Ohio State at three, and Clemson at four, which is what the AP poll is right now. But we know kind of down the stretch, Notre Dame and Clemson are going to run into each other again when it comes to that ACC championship, and that's probably going to knock one of them out. And there's still opportunities for Florida and A&M, a Cincinnati, a Northwestern, and I'd say that's probably about it. I don't know if BYU or Oregon are going to be given that opportunity. Uh, speaking of Oregon, in the Pac-12, Oregon got another win this week with their win over UCLA. So they're 3-0, as I said. We're still kind of on the same page here. They're not gonna. They're not gonna get in the playoff. U- USC also getting a win, so they're also 3-0. Just with the Pac-12 struggles of scheduling. I mean, with the Apple Cup getting canceled and games continuing to be struggled to be played and rescheduled, I just don't think that there's going to be a Pac-12 team that's really going to even get a look. It doesn't really matter how good USC or Oregon will be. Pac-12 just is struggling too much. Yeah, it's crazy. It's all the COVID stuff that's happening. For us Washington folks, like I'm from Washington State, not having that Apple Cup playing, I mean, that's just super weird. Like It's been a game that plays during Thanksgiving weekend every single year and I, I will say as a Cougar fan usually it's a Husky win so maybe it might it might be a good thing for the Cougars but yeah it stinks and especially for UW who I think they're looking pretty good this year they dominated Arizona so one thing we haven't talked about is UW tried to schedule BYU I don't know if you heard about that this week mm-hmm. and it seemed like BYU didn't want things to happen and then BYU saying no we wanted to play uh, in Provo and UW just couldn't make it happen. So that would have been a great matchup, first of all. If, if it's true that BYU just, like, avoided UW, does that, like, affect their ranking, you think? I don't think so. I don't think the playoff committee is really going to be swayed by that. I don't think BYU has a shot to begin with. But I don't think it would change anything. I just think it's dumb that they would try and avoid that game. I think it's so dumb. Like, if you are really set on going to get that, going to that playoff that's you've got to schedule that game like yeah having that undefeated season against the cupcake schedule is cool and all and you're gonna have a high ranking in this covid era but if you can schedule a 2-0 UW who's probably top I wouldn't even say probably they're a top three team in the Pac-12 right now if you can schedule that and knock them off that's gonna help you a lot like the one thing that we're knocking BYU for is that they've had a really cupcake schedule and man I don't know why you're passing that up. Even if you have to go to Seattle, you got to schedule that game to give yourself an opportunity to get in that playoff and get yourself in the conversation with Cincinnati. All right, so let's go into the NFL, the actual Thursday night football that they probably thought we were going to talk about. Obviously, I was happy with the outcome. 28-21 to win for the Seattle Seahawks over the Arizona Cardinals. Glad I predicted it. Knew it was going to happen. Kept them over, kept them over Arizona in the power rankings. Glad everything kind of just came into fruition for me there. Uh, what do you think about that game? Cardinals threw it away. I'm saying it right now, and I know you're gonna disagree. Yeah. Cardinals threw the ball game away. Too many mistakes in the late part of that game, both from the coaching staff and the players. Cardinals, you were in it, man. Why? Why would you throw the game away like that in the fourth quarter? You've played so well in the fourth quarter all year, and you had to choke against the Seahawks. That might have been your key matchup of the rest of the season. Like, you gotta win those games. Yeah, I mean, I saw some graphics saying, like, Seattle, after the win, had, like, a 60% chance of winning the division. If they had lost, they would have had, like, a 12% chance to win the division. So that was a huge win for the Seattle. But I don't know about throwing the game, man. Like, there was no point in that game where Arizona was winning it. I mean, 
Seattle was pretty much in control the whole game. And yes, Arizona had an opportunity, but that's when Seattle's defense has, I will say. They haven't been good all year. We know that. But they have been able to get stops when they need them in the fourth quarter. Cam Newton, for example, when they get that stop in the goal line. And then here with Carlos Dunlap getting that sack to seal the game. But I don't know if they threw it. I mean, they had an opportunity. Sure. That opportunity was taken away. And that's my point. From the get-go, the last few possessions, they had a shot. Momentum was switching their way. They were coming back. They were driving down the field. They were down three. Down three. Kyler Murray, intentional grounding, backs them all the way up, holding in the end zone, safety. Right there, you lost two points on a possession. So, big issue there. Like I said, got to take care of the football. It's not taking care of the football or the points. So, problem. Then Seahawks do what they do, and then you get the ball back. You start driving down the field, and then we take the third timeout for no reason. Why did you take your third timeout, we, Cardinals? Huh? We? Hey, we take, like, I, you're I'm taking sides now. Hey, you're taking look, sides but now. But the point is, is that the Cardinals had no reason to take that third timeout. If they keep that timeout, they have another shot down the field. Take the delay a game penalty, go out, get a better play, and let's have the extra timeout down the stretch. Ha- had you had that extra timeout, you're looking at another shot at the end zone. Instead, you take the timeout to avoid a five-yard penalty. Come on, man. Let's go. Hey, at the end of the day, they had four plays to get a first down, and they didn't get a yard. They lost them. At the end of the day, they couldn't do it. And, hey, Seattle in those action green uniforms at home, still undefeated. That's not going to change this calendar year. Seattle up to 7-3. and three. By the way, you're saying we for Arizona. When we talk about Indianapolis Green Bay, I might need to start saying we. Hey, Indianapolis fine, might have to be my team this week. <laughs> but anyways, we'll talk about Tampa Bay, L.A. That happened Monday night football. I mean, it was a good game. It was. This was probably one of my key matchups of the week. I mean, TV 12, L.A. Rams, everybody's saying L.A. Rams, including you, said L.A. Rams, they're not legit. You know, it was... a Duff win against the Seahawks. Seahawks didn't play well. The Rams aren't that good. Uh, no, they proved that incorrect. They came out, played so well against one of the best defenses in the NFL. I'd argue at least top three defenses in the NFL. Um, went down, first play, first drive of the game. Straight down the field, scored a touchdown. Right there. And, you know, that showed me that that offense can do things in the future. They do play in the hardest division in the NFL right now, which is the hardest part. But... The L.A. Rams are for real, man. Everybody said the L.A. Rams aren't for real. They're not for real. Last week, what did I say? The L.A. Rams are for real. And they came out and they proved me right this week. Thank you, L.A. Rams. No, yeah, they're, they're scary. Don't get me wrong. I mean, those are two really good wins in a row. They find themselves tied with the Seahawks at 7-3. and three. That offense is really clicking right now. McVay has the right things going. Goff's doing what he needs to do each week. It's not like it's anything special, but he's doing what he needs to do. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods playing really well. I saw they had like 29 catches for 260 yards combined, which is really crazy and hard to win if you let that happen. Brady down the stretch has his opportunity to go tie or win the game and throws the pick. I mean, I kind of, I would say I kind of predicted that too. Like, I just don't know if he's the guy down the stretch and that's one that they need to win at home if they want to stay with the New Orleans Saints who are up to eight and two, I believe. So a big win for the Rams. We kind of look at the Rams and Seahawks schedules down the stretch because they are tied at 7-3, and three, six games to go. The Rams have Cardinals twice, Patriots, and then they have the Seahawks week 16. Seahawks, which as a Seahawks fan I have said I'm very optimistic about their schedule, they have 
the Jets, Giants, Redskins, Eagles in the next four weeks, with starting with the Monday night game against the Eagles next week. And then they do have the Rams week 16, and then the Niners. So, I mean, I... Yes, there's maybe a little bias, but I seriously think the Seahawks can win out here. And I seriously can see them going to 13-3, and which at the beginning of the year, you're like, man, that, that, last, that last part of that schedule is really nice. So if somebody had told me, hey, the Seahawks are going to be at 7-3 and going into that stretch, I would have taken it. I really would have. It wasn't pretty, but that 7-3 and is looking really good with this last part of the schedule. And if the Rams, I mean, they're probably going to split maybe with Arizona, and we'll see what they do with Seattle. If they can beat Seattle... They probably have a division, but we're not there yet. Week, week 16, it's going to be a big game. All I'm saying is don't sleep on the Rams, man. That defense is for real. Mm-hmm. I mean, stopping to the leading rusher and leading receiver to under 100 yards both ways, big defensive stand there. Don't sleep on them. I'm telling you, don't sleep on them. They're coming. I don't plan on it. I will not sleep on the Rams. I, I've learned my lesson too many times with the Rams. But uh, let's get into the AFC because there are – Two really good games in the AFC as well. Tennessee-Baltimore, Kansas City-Oakland. Let's start with that Tennessee-Baltimore game. Ooh, Tennessee, they are some bad boys. They yeah. came out pregame on the logo, breaking out the huddle, tearing up the logo. Jim yeah. Harbaugh, yeah. credit to you. You went out and stood up and the Ravens didn't, which, come on, man. Like, I'm not asking for a brawl, but that kind of, like, that. that's got to have some form of disrespect the bullies of the AFC the Baltimore Ravens got bullied by the Tennessee Titans I mean Derrick Henry broke out that touchdown in overtime I'm worried about Baltimore I don't know that they're going to be able to pull this out out this year I really think that they're a first or second round exit in the playoffs if they make the playoffs to begin with I mean it's I kind of had a feeling this may happen like I knew Lamar Jackson had a great year last year MVP He's the best player in the world. I just didn't know about that. I was, it was one year. You just never really do know. And he had a really unorthodox way of winning ball games. And I kind of figured teams would start figuring it out. And they have. Obviously, they're at 6-4 and four and Pittsburgh's at 10-0. and 0. You can say goodbye to their division hopes. But even now, the playoffs are looking really weird. And we'll get into that for a sec- it, here in a second. But they got Derrick Henry. I mean, it's really starting to show... This is the same thing that happened there here at the end of last year and in the playoffs. Henry would be getting stopped maybe here in the first half, but that guy just gets better as the game goes on, and it's insane. He gets so many carries, but he just has such a motor. And if you get into overtime and you give the Titans the ball, which they did, I mean, Henry just takes over. And that he ended it with that uh, 30, 40-yard touchdown to end the game. If you can't stop Derrick Henry, you're not going to stop the Titans. And... Um, that was a really good game. I, I enjoyed watching it. Great calls by Vrabel um, towards the end of that game. Derrick Henry, 28 carries, 133 yards, and a touchdown. And then as well as standout performance in receiving yards by Corey Davis, five receptions for 113 yards. The offense just played really well overall. And that Ravens offense has had, I don't know that they will have the rest of the year, any rhythm to begin with. So offensive battle that... Went in the Titans' favor this week. Look out for the Titans. There are some bad boys. I mean, the Ravens could be possibly put away. Like, they're on a short week this week. They play Thanksgiving night against the Steelers in Pittsburgh at Heinz Field. I mean, that, that could really set them off on the wrong path if they can go down to 6-5. and five. But we'll get into that here in a bit. Let's also talk KC-Oakland Sunday night football game. I mean, that's turning out to be kind of like that really fun match of like people are saying, hey, that Seattle-Arizona game, I'd watch that every week. 
that Kansas Kansas City Oakland game. Give me that game every week too. I mean that's that was a fun game. Yeah, for sure. And something that I think most NFL fans are sleeping on is the Raiders. I think everybody's like, ah, oh, the Raiders are a mediocre team. They're not great. But we've seen twice now against the Kansas City Chiefs football teams that they can play. I mean, both from passing and running the ball. Darren Waller had 88 yards receiving and a touchdown. The offense played really well. They stuck with Patrick Mahomes in a shootout. I think the Raiders are for real. Now, can they make the playoffs? Uh, It'll be tight. But I think that everybody underrates the Raiders, and so nobody takes notice when KC goes and beats them because everybody thinks the Raiders are some push-off team, and I don't think that's true at all. Great win by Kansas City um, on both sides of the ball. That running game is looking really, really good now. Yeah. Um, they're starting to mix in Le'Veon Bell a little bit more. CEH is finding his rhythm. It's starting to become the offense of last year a little bit, just with the run game. Yeah, I mean, that offense is going to be so hard to stop. But kind of back on the Raiders' talk, I think I think people are really starting to. I don't know if I would say they're underrated at this point. Like I think teams are really starting to take notice. They're at 6-4. and four. If we do want to look at the playoff picture right now, see what kind of wildcard teams we're thinking are going to get in. This Raiders team, Chris Collinsworth kind of mentioned it, they have a, the easiest schedule in the AFC to cap off their year. Atlanta, New York Jets, Chargers, Broncos, just to name a few. So I think the Raiders are going to get in, and I think they're going to be a very scary team for somebody to play here in that first round. Let's look at the AFC playoff picture Right now, Pittsburgh at 1, Kansas City at 2, and then Buffalo 3, Indianapolis 4. And then the three wildcard teams right now are Tennessee and Cleveland at 7-3, and and then the Raiders have the tiebreaker over Baltimore and Miami for that last spot. Do you see that kind of staying in the same spot? What do you think? I think that 7 spot is up for grabs. Now, yes, the Raiders have a pretty easy schedule down the stretch, but like we've discussed before, any given team on any given Sunday can beat anybody, period. So that Chargers team isn't bad. Actually, it was something I was going to bring up later. That LA Chargers team, they're losing by 4.6 per game, points per game. That's close games that they're in tight with. It's not like they're getting blown out like the Jets. or I mean, they're close in every single game. Justin Herbert is for real. Don't sleep on the Chargers against the Raiders. And so there are games like that where I'm like, the Raiders could lose a game or two coming down the stretch. And, you know, you never know Baltimore or Miami who are right there in the hunt, they could win out. And then suddenly we're looking at a seven spot that's really, really close. Like, currently it's tied. They're all four games behind first place. But I think that seven spot is still up for grabs. Oh, it absolutely is. I mean, they're all tied at six and four. So it's definitely up for grabs. Miami really hurt themselves by losing to Denver. Nobody really expected that one. I saw 90% of betters picked Miami to win that game. So some Bronco fans made some money this week. But Vegas, Baltimore, all at 6-4. and four. I would say the odd team out for me right now is Baltimore. I just don't know what I'm, anything good that I can say about them right now. And they're playing Pittsburgh coming up. I think they're probably going to drop to 6-5. and five. But between Vegas and Miami, and then possibly passing a Cleveland team with a shaky Baker Mayfield, um, it's going to be fun to watch down the stretch. Moving into the NFC, the Green Bay-Indianapolis game. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, wow. I'll let you go first, and then I'll say my piece. Well, first off, I can't not come on here and say I didn't predict it, right? Predicted that Indianapolis game, and I said it was going to be close. And I said I really liked that Indianapolis defense down the stretch. And, hey, they they gave up 28 points in the first half, but they shut Rodgers down in the second half. And 
did enough to win that game. So, what's the one key that I continue to talk about week in, week out? I've said it, I believe, two times, maybe three already in this episode. Take care of the football. Yeah. So, first off, that's why we lost the game to begin with. MBS losing that fumble in overtime, that, that lost the game. Period. End of story. And so, yes, everybody that's sending death threats, shut up. I understand <laughs> that social media is a way that you can... Dudes do and say whatever you want with no consequences. The dude's a real guy. Like, leave him alone. He's gonna learn. I Trust me, he will have some practice this week at holding on to the football. But, I mean, just turnover-wise, stupid how many turnovers there were in this game. Green Bay had four turnovers to Indianapolis's two. You know, Green Bay's gotta hold on to the football. Aaron Rodgers threw a pick. Not common. Happens. But three fumbles is... Not what needs to happen, especially on a special teams play and then in overtime. That is two of maybe the worst fumble situations you can have. So taking care of the football is a big piece for me. Indianapolis did not deserve that game at all. The offense, I think they were trying to make some adjustments, and we just turned the ball over too many times to ever have a chance to really get to put those adjustments into practice. My biggest problem, which um, LaFleur did make a comment on in his press conference, third down when we're playing zone, DBs were sitting five yards behind the sticks and we're giving away first downs like it's candy. Like, you can't give away first downs on a third down coming down the stretch in overtime. I don't care what it is. You can't be just throwing first downs out there. So those are some of my biggest issues Indianapolis did not deserve that game by any means. And really? honestly, at this point, Green Bay, I have lost most of my confidence in their ability to get to a high level this year just because I'm seeing the NFC West go off and Tampa Bay be really good. And I'm like, well, Green Bay hasn't been consistent at all, period. Right? The defense can't stop anything. The offense is really, really, really good, but you're not going to outdo a Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray because – they're going to score more points against a trash defense than Aaron Rodgers can score against a trash defense. So, you know, at this point, I'm kind of looking at Green Bay, and I'm saying, yeah, they're going to the playoffs, but I don't know that they're an NFC championship team. I mean, I would agree with you. but And you're saying they didn't, Indianapolis shouldn't have won that game, and I would, I mean, I don't know, man. Indianapolis had the ball, or they got the ball back, up three with, how much time? Three minutes left, and Green Bay had all their timeouts. And then... They call four holding calls on Indianapolis in that last drive. Eventually, Indianapolis has to punt the ball back after having multiple second and 30s. They punt the ball back to Green Bay with a minute 30, so about half that time off. And Green Bay still has two of their timeouts because the clock kept getting stopped every single time. So I would even argue that this game shouldn't even have gone to overtime and that Indianapolis should have ended this game in regulation. So I think... Green Bay had all the opportunities in the world to win that game. They were lucky to get into overtime, and that fumble really hurt. I mean, Aaron Rodgers overtime, you're probably thinking they're going to go down and score a touchdown. But that fumble really hurt, and their Rodrigo Blankenship, the OG from Georgia, kicks the game winner. I mean, obviously, I was happy to see it. From my prediction, I knew you would probably be struggling after that one. But they're going to bounce back, and they're going to be in the playoffs, and they're going to be a hard out. But you're right. I mean, they have been a little inconsistent as of late, and... That NFC is really up in the air right now. Yeah. And their schedule is by no means a gimme either. I mean, they have the Bears on Sunday night this week. Um, then they do Eagles, Lions, Panthers, which Panthers, if 
Teddy Bridgewater is back in full strength, and maybe even at that point Christian McCaffrey's back, then we're looking at a different Panthers team. But I'm saying right there, not giving that, not being generous and being greedy. They're two and two in that stretch, which makes mm-hmm. them nine and five, and then they play the Titans nine and six, Oof. Bears ten and six. So now I think they could take more games than that. At this at this That's point, minimum uh, is what you're saying. I'm saying ten and six minimum. I would say they're going to be 11 and 5, 12 and 4 probably. Probably, but we're going to say 10 and 6. We're going to say they're going to drop it against the Panthers. They're going to drop it against the Titans. Okay. But if we can figure out how to actually play defense and to hold on to the football, I think we could be a 11 and 5, 12 and 4 football team and if we can figure it out, we could maybe be an NFC championship team, but we have to figure out a lot of those problems first. Well, you're a smart guy. You're you're setting yourself up for failure, so when it happens, you're you're like, all right, I expected this. I'm the opposite, where I'm saying Seattle's gonna win out, and they're probably gonna go like four and two and lose to the Jets or something, and I'm just gonna be depressed. So you're you're a smart fan for doing that. Uh, you you mentioned the Panthers real quick, and you said Teddy Bridgewater's back. Hey, how about P.J. Walker, the guy from the XFL, the Houston Roughnecks? He was gonna be the MVP of that league. He was just lighting that XFL up. Comes in and wins 20-0 to over the Lions. Once again, hey, predicted the Panthers win over the Lions there. But I wasn't expecting the Lions to get shut out. So, obviously, big props to their defense. But P.J. Walker, that's pretty cool. Yeah, once again, that's one of my two quarterback standouts of the week. Um, P.J. Walker, hats off, man. You played really, really well. Um, now, it wasn't against a great defense. So, yeah. eh. But you have potential. Um, my other quarterback standout that we'll tackle super quick, Taysom Hill. Yeah. Everybody said he can't pass the football. Are you kidding me? That man passed the football all over the Atlanta Falcons. Now, Atlanta Falcons are awesome, yeah. but still, he he showed some arm talent. So he could be a legitimate option to keep the New Orleans Saints in this playoff picture. Um, so with that, I think we'll... Uh, Move into NFC playoff picture at number one. We have New Orleans. I think they stay there because Taysom Hill can throw the football and he showed it. So I think that they have a legitimate option. And even if he starts failing, you got James Winston. So two great options at quarterback. And then your defense also. I mean, exactly. they held Matt Ryan and Julio Jones to nine points. Like, even it doesn't matter who's at quarterback. If you're holding their defense to nine points, the Saints are going to score more than nine points. Yeah. And once again, they're now on a seven-game win streak. So the Saints are they're not just going to hold their own in the playoff picture. They're going to hold their own in a one seed for the immediate future, I'd say. Yeah, and then that number two spot, I think, is going to be occupied by whatever NFC West team is in there. I believe currently it belongs to the Rams. Yep. Um, three spot, Green Bay. Once again, they're going to win the division, probably. The Bears aren't really going to make a shot at that but they're going to win the division they'll have the three the four goodness gracious please no philadelphia eagles four games behind the new orleans saints um, but they will have the four seed and what's funny about the nfc east is that well first off they all have three wins right so the eagles lead at three six and one and then everybody else is at three and seven so thanksgiving day the cowboys and the washington football team which i'm glad i said the football team. The winner of that game is actually going to be at 4-7 and seven and will be the division leader uh, leading up to the Eagles game, which 
I think they'll hold on to it because they play Seattle, and I would predict Seattle to win that game. So the winner of that Washington football team in Dallas game, Thanksgiving Day, big implications. Yeah. Big game. Winner's going to 4-7. and seven. Winner's going to be in the playoffs. Love to see it. Uh, number five spot, Tampa Bay. Uh, dropped a game last night against the Rams. Um, six, Seattle. Game behind first. Seven, Arizona. Two games behind. And then in the hunt, we have Chicago, who's three games behind. And you could argue Minnesota, Detroit, San Francisco, all four games behind. Definitely on the outside looking in. But... Something yeah, but crazy could happen, and, you know, one of those teams could sneak it in. But right now, Chicago's really the only team that is in the hunt. And I will say, I think Seattle right now is in the five, and Tampa's in the six, mm-hmm. which six weeks ago, who knows what's going to happen, because Seattle's at seven and three, Tampa at seven and four. And I guess that is a big thing, because one, one team will get to go to Green Bay, and one team will get to go to an NFC East team. So that getting that five seed will be big when it comes to the wildcard teams. But I do think... Seattle, Tampa, and Arizona, and then maybe the Rams, if Seattle were to pass them, those are probably solid wildcard predictions as of now, and uh, we're just going to have to see what happens. All right, before we get into our game picks, hate to see it, those ACL, MCL injuries. Joe Burrow had a nasty-looking injury. His knee went in, out, in, like, ugh, it was gross. But you just hate to see that from a young player like him. He was having a really good year. He was obviously in the rookie of the year talks. The team wasn't doing great, but, I mean, they're the Bengals, and they're obviously a team looking forward to the future. So where does that kind of make the rookie of the year? Like, what is that looking like for you now? I don't know if it ever was Joe Burrow for you. It definitely was Joe Burrow for me, and unfortunately, because he's injured, he won't get that anymore. So Justin Herbert is probably my pick. Chase Young is kind of close. But Justin Herbert's not my pick. I would say, as I said, it stinks for Burrow to not even probably be in the conversation anymore. He might still be, but he's not going to win. I would say Herbert was probably my guy before Burrow got hurt. Herbert's having a really good year, and we kind of talked about how they've had some really close losses to the, the Saints, the Chiefs. They, those are two games they should have won, which their year would be looking a lot different. They'd be at 5-5 five and five instead of 3-7. and seven. I think the Chargers are going to be really scary in the future. I think Keenan Allen and Mike Williams with Herbert are really scary right now. And Herbert's actually on pace right now to have the most passing touchdowns, passing yards, and what was it? Maybe like completion percentage, all best. Like he's on pace for the best uh, numbers for a rookie quarterback in NFL history. That says a lot, and I think that's a shoe in if he can just stay on pace this year. But that does stink for Joe Burrow. There's been a lot of ACL injuries this year. Luckily, not as much after that. those first three weeks were really bad. But I uh, wasn't expecting that one for Joe Burrow. But let's get into the game picks. Uh, you want to start us off? We got three, yeah. three Thanksgiving games. Three Thanksgiving games. Houston, Detroit. I got Houston in that one. Detroit, you let me down this week when I picked you over Carolina. So I'm not picking you again. Deshaun Watson played well against the Patriots. I got Houston. Yeah, I'm with you there. I really, as I said, I really wanted to pick Houston last week over New England, and I really wish I had because Deshaun Watson played really well, and he, he's kind of been hot lately. And Detroit scored zero points against Carolina, so there's no, there's no reason for me to go against, go against Houston right here. Even though they are the 3-7 and seven team, I think Houston wins against Detroit. And then we'll go into that big Washington-Dallas game. Who's going to take over the vaunted NFC East? 
Uh, I got Washington. Today, the Cowboys practice was canceled due to non-COVID-related medical reasons with a staff member. Um, I think the one less practice and the struggling team gives Washington the edge. As well as Washington isn't playing awful. I mean, they're bad, but not awful. And, I mean, Alex Smith is playing decent. And, you know, we're all used to Dallas winning on Thanksgiving, and I think it'll change this year. I think I got Washington football team. Yeah, I mean, you use words like not awful and decent, and honestly, not awful and decent is going to be just enough this year to win the NFC East. And I'm with you picking Washington, and I will say I wasn't expecting Dallas to beat Minnesota this week, so that was a great win for them. But I think Washington's defense is going to have is going to give Andy Dalton an absolute heyday, and they're going to be all over him with Chase Young and Kerrigan and company. So I, I think Washington wins that one. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, who you got? I'm going Pittsburgh. I Baltimore, as I said, not looking good right now. And if anybody's going to have them figured out, it's their rival. And that defense is just, they shut them down week one, or the, the first time they played them, I should say. And I think they're going to shut them down again this week. And Baltimore's going to fall into 6-5. and five. I'm with you on that. Nothing more to add. Going into Sunday, which I'm happy. I don't think there's any buys this week. So we got 16 games of NFL football this week. Got to look forward to that. New Orleans, Denver is that first game Sunday. What are you thinking there? I got New Orleans. Uh, take some help and throw the football, which none of us really expected. We thought he'd just run the ball, which as far as touchdowns, he did just run the football. But he did pass the ball really well. I got New Orleans. Denver's starting to climb up a little bit, but nowhere near the New Orleans team. Denver got a good win against Miami, but I don't think they're going to be able to compete with New Orleans this week. Uh, I think that New Orleans defense is playing really well. Drew Locke might throw three to five interceptions, and uh, it might be a low-scoring game just with Taysom Hill at quarterback, but I think New Orleans will win that game. And then we kind of go into Kansas City, Tampa Bay. Kansas City, Tampa Bay, that's a, that's a fun game. I got Kansas City by a field goal in overtime. I think this is going to be a really, really close game, and honestly, it could be a Super Bowl preview. Now... With Tampa Bay losing to the Rams last night, I'm less sure of that than I was last week. But I got Kansas City here. This offense is starting to really get their rhythm and starting to play really well. I see no reason to go away from Kansas City other than the fact that they may not be able to be as offensive as they'd like against that defense. It's At the end of the day, it's Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey and Le'Veon Bell and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. So I think Chiefs are going to win, and I think this week in general is just going to kind of clinch the division for New Orleans. And I think they're going to, maybe not the one seed, but I think they're going to clinch it over Tampa. So with the Chiefs win, as I'm predicting, I think that'll bring Tampa down to 7-5. and five. And with the Saints win, I'm predicting, bring them up to 9-2. and two. So this could, I mean, this could put Tampa off on a, on a bad trail here, but at the end of the day, it is Tom Brady. They are at home, so it is going to be a good game, probably a really close game as you're predicting. I don't know about overtime, but I'm going Kansas City. Las Vegas, Atlanta, who do you got? I'm going Las Vegas. I really like what I'm seeing from them, and Atlanta just got shut down. I predicted them to beat New Orleans last week. That was definitely a stretch, which you always got to have that one stretch, right? But Vegas just seems like the obvious pick here, and I like what they're doing. I think they're a playoff team. I got Vegas, too. I wouldn't sleep on the Falcons. They have the blow-up game once a year. I yeah. mean, it could happen against the Raiders. I was really, really tempted to pick Falcons here, um, but I'm going to go Raiders. Okay, okay. 
the next game, the Chargers and the Bills. Hey, you never know with Justin Herbert. What are you thinking? True. Uh, same deal here. Really, really tempted to pick the Chargers, but Josh Allen's throwing the ball too well right now for me. I got Buffalo. Yeah, I think Buffalo's defense is probably just going to make a good stop there at the end of the game. But I think it's going to be a one-possession game. I think Herbert's going to make it close because I do think he's the rookie of the year this year. But in Buffalo, give me Buffalo by possession. Uh, the Giants and the Bengals, who you got? Oh, man, what a game. What a game. We're going to see Daniel Jones up against who? Ryan Finley. Is that who the quarterback is for the Bengals now? So I'm going to go Giants because I have said this. I think the Giants are the best team in this great division called the NFC East. So if they are to win, they would be at 4-7, and seven, and they would actually be tied with either the Washington football team or the Dallas Cowboys. But, yeah, how about that game? That'll be a fun one. Give me Danny Dimes. Um, I think the Giants win this one by a good portion. Um, the offense is good. The defense is bad. But Cincinnati's bad. So I got the Giants. Uh, we'll go Tennessee, Indiana, Indianapolis next. And obviously, Indianapolis beat them the first time, and it was a really good game. This one, I would expect to be just as good. I agree. You know, it's the new bad boys of the NFL, Tennessee Titans. And Indianapolis, who squeezed one out last week. I got Indianapolis. I think the defense is playing really well. They've been able to stop pretty much every team. I think that they stopped Derrick Henry, or at least hold him to a less yardage and less touchdowns than he's used to getting. Uh, create a little bit of frustration on the offensive side of the ball. And then that offense just has to take care of the football and make sure they don't turn it over. Yeah, they definitely limited Henry last game. But I think this game, Tennessee is going to actually go into Indianapolis and get that win. Just to split the season series with them, make things really interesting down the stretch. A uh, Tennessee win would pop them into the one seed in the division. So it's, it's a huge game. But I think the Titans are going to go in there and win in Indianapolis this week. Carolina-Minnesota. That's a tough one. I mean, it's kind of like that Carolina-Detroit game last week. We just kind of could go either way. Minnesota, I would say, would be my pick, but but last week they lose to the Cowboys, so it's just you don't know where to go there. Um, I'm gonna go Minnesota though. I'm gonna I'm gonna say they bounce back. I think Thielen and Jefferson are becoming one of the strongest duos and or wide receiver duos in the NFL. They're looking really good. Dalvin Cook is obviously the man at running back, so I think uh, Minnesota squeezes one out. Maybe maybe a field goal. How about you? Uh, you know, I got Carolina for these reasons. I believe Teddy Bridgewater will be back, which will be a tremendous help. Now, yes, the backup played well. Yes, the defense did their job against Detroit. But if Teddy Bridgewater's back, there's not a really a whole lot to talk about, in my opinion. I think Carolina takes it. Well, if Teddy Bridgewater's back, Carolina's got this by two to three possessions. Ooh. If Teddy Bridgewater is not back... I still got Carolina, but by a field goal or a touchdown. Okay, okay. So we'll go into Arizona, New England next. I got Arizona. Kyler Murray is arguably my MVP pick right now. Um, so Kyler Murray is playing well. Um, New England choked against the Texans this week. Um, I will say Cam Newton played really well. So Arizona's defense cannot sleep on Cam Newton, but I got Arizona. Yeah, I mean, we're back, back in Foxborough, obviously, so if Bill Belichick decides to get that weather machine going, you know, we'll see what, 
we'll see what happens there. But Arizona's the better team, so and they need this win, obviously, to stay just within reach of Seattle and L.A. So I think Arizona will pull it out, but it'll probably be a close one. Uh, Miami and the New York Jets. I'm just going to say Miami. I, I don't think there needs to be an explanation. Last game, they won 24-0 over the Jets. I think it's going to be something similar. Uh, is coming back with a vengeance after getting benched against the Broncos. Uh, I think he's going to play well. I think they blow out the Jets. All right, let's go Cleveland at Jacksonville. I got Cleveland. I mean, yes, Baker Mayfield struggling, but they're a playoff team. So I'm going to take a playoff team over Jacksonville any day of the week. I got Cleveland. Well, Baker's struggled the last two weeks, but they still won both games. So against the Jacksonville team, I guess if he wants to struggle again, he can. And they're still going to get that win because they have a solid defense and Nick Chubb's playing pretty well. So I'm definitely going Cleveland as well. San Francisco Rams, who you got? I got the Rams. I The Niners just, they've got too many people out right now. It's in L.A. The Rams are kind of on a tear right now. And that defense is probably going to shut the Niners down. Don't sleep on the Rams. I got the Rams. Okay, okay. Uh, Sunday Night Football. You got Chicago, Green Bay. Where are you going with this one? I got Green Bay. I, I know. Bay? I lost... I lost faith in my Packers, but I do think that they'll pull it out. Chicago has too many injuries and too many struggles right now. Um, I think that the offense, it will be a test for the offense because Khalil Mack is on the opposite side of the football. That simple. So I think this will be a test for Green Bay, but I got Green Bay. It's just, I mean, the Packers have owned the Bears over the years, and I don't think that, I don't see that changing, but I do think you're right. I think Khalil Mack and that Bears defense could make it close, but I, I see Green Bay winning. In Lambeau. Last game, Monday night, Seattle versus the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, it's tough on the road. I mean, Seattle, they tend to lose on the road. But prime time, they, they're they going to beat the Eagles, I think. Uh, Carson Wentz is just not good. And Seattle actually went into Philadelphia and beat them twice last year. So I think, I think that's a win for Seattle. And we could potentially see... The Eagles going down to like third place in the division this week, which is crazy. I got Seattle by two to three possessions. They're good. The Eagles are bad. Enough said. I would love to say that they could win by two possessions, but it's the Seahawks, and they're going to make it interesting. I hope not, though. I hope you're right. Alrighty, let's cap this episode off. Let's go with a hot seat here. We're going to go one hot take a piece here, and I'll let you start it off. It be about anything in football. Just something on your mind right now that you think is going to happen that maybe some other people would not expect. Justin Fields continues to struggle. We'll drop to the seventh pick in the draft to the Washington football team. Matt Jones continues to ball out. He's going number two to the Jags. Wow. Wow. Really? Really? Okay. I mean, he has one bad game and they still win the game. That's just that's crazy to me. I think Fields is just he's going to be an NFL a really good NFL quarterback, but hey, I think the Washington football team would love to see Mac Jones go at two. They they can grab him at seven, that'd be great. But if Fields can't take care of the football in college football, how's he going to take care of it in the NFL? I mean, here's Mac Jones. Here's my Mac Jones argument. If Mac Jones doesn't have an NFL caliber receiving core in college, he's going to have a worse one in Jacksonville. I mean, we'll see if he can play without those that star-studded offense he's got around him, but Okay, I like it. This is what we're here for. This is why we're doing the hot seat. My hot seat, which it might not even be a hot seat. It's kind of funny, but the winner of the NFC East. 
is going to be 6-10. and 10. I don't know who it's going to be, but they're going to have the worst record in NFL history to make the playoffs at 6-10, and 10, and I think that's going to happen. I don't know who it's going to be. I would say maybe if anybody would be the Giants, but that's going to be funny. I think it's going to be 6-10, and 10, New York Giants in the playoffs. I like it. All right, well, this kind of recaps off our episode two of the Gridiron. We hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, give us a follow on Instagram at the Gridiron Podcast and subscribe to us on Spotify and continue to listen. We really appreciate it. Appreciate it, you guys. Have a great week, ladies and gentlemen, and happy football.